friends. If you've got your Bibles, let's go. 1 Peter, 1 Peter uh, chapter 5 is where we're going to be this morning. 1 Peter chapter 5. If you didn't bring your Bible, you can use your phone. Uh, you're going to want to follow along. We're beginning a brand new series this morning. We've been in Acts for three years. It's time to move on. We're going to be getting a brand new series this morning. Um, it's going to be a, a shorter series for us, just four weeks. Um, and it really, it's on this idea of contending prayer, contending prayer. Um, and there's no doubt, there's absolutely no doubt that this season for all of us has been an insane season. 2020, we've joked about it. We've poked fun at it. It's no longer funny. Like, it's like, what more? Like, what is happening? Like, what is happening right now? It's been an insane year. One thing after another thing, after another thing, after another thing. There's so much taking place in our world globally. Globally. It's insane. If you just, if you watch the news and you see what's happening globally, it is insane. Nationally, in our nation, the things that are taking place on the political stage. It's nuts. The division and the dissension. In the cities, there's rioting, there's wildfires and windstorms, and it's just, it is crazy. In our own, in our own neighborhood, in our church, there's all kinds of drama and things going on right here in our neighborhood. There, there's massive trees laying all over, like, look at the, look around, it's crazy. And even in our very lives. In our very lives, our, our lead shepherds, we gather every single month to talk business, but then also to really talk spiritually, like what's going on in our church. And every month, like the prayer list, the things that are going on in your lives, it's just increasing all year long. Like it's, there's, there's always things going on, but it, it has just gotten, it has gotten overwhelming the amount of serious things that are happening in your lives that are unrelated to COVID, unrelated to windstorms, unrelated to earthquakes, unrelated to murder hornets. Like it just keeps getting, it's just insane what's going on. So much has been stripped away. So much frustration and discomfort has entered in. Any, anybody got a little bit of a shorter fuse in the past few weeks, past few months, anybody? Am I the only one? Okay, everybody. All right. That makes me feel better about my attitude. So much discomfort has entered in. There's no doubt that in all of these areas, our world, our nation, our neighborhoods, even our church and our very lives, that Satan has got a foot in the door. And in some areas, like he is full on in. Like, he is, he is like, he's like the DJ at the party directing the whole thing. Satan has moved in, and this should not be a surprise to any of the Christians that have gathered here this morning. I know not everybody here is a follower of Jesus. Not everybody uh, believes that the Word of God is truly the Word of God. But for those of you who do, this should not be a surprise to any of us that Satan is working in this way. Paul writes famously in Ephesians 6, 12, he says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Cosmic powers over this present darkness, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. This is the enemy. And who is wrestling against it? Who is waging war against this enemy? 
Who's fighting this enemy, church? Shout it out. I can hear you. Who? Okay. Jesus. That is the safe Sunday answer. Always a good one. Shout, shout out Jesus anytime. But however, that's not what Paul says. That's not what he says. Did you see it? For we... For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We, we, we are the one wrestling against these things. We are. And friends, are, are we winning? Are we winning? I would argue that the church in America is struggling hard. Struggling hard. Now, the, the Big C Church, right, if, you're, if you're new to Flourishing Grace, Big C Church, Little C Church, we are Flourishing Grace, Little C Church, Little, little, little C, capital C, Big C Church, is every follower of Jesus on the planet who has ever been and ever will be. That's God's church. Big C Church is always doing well, baby. The church around the world is growing at an alarming rate. The church in China, blowing up. The, the fastest place the church is growing right now in the world, Iran. Iran, it's blowing up. Africa, the church is blowing up. But the American church, the Big C Church in America, struggling hard. It is struggling hard. Why? Why is it struggling so hard? Why is the church in America limping along? Why is the church in America decreasing in size? Why does the church in America not seem to be what it used to be? Why? It has nothing to do with our resource. We are the most resourced church in the world. We have access to the greatest seminaries and the training grounds for our pastors are our world class. The world class. I went to two different seminaries in Chicago. I went, to, I went to Trinity Evangelical Seminary, one of the greatest seminaries in the world. I went to Moody Theological Seminary, the cheapest seminary in the world. Um, no, these world-class seminaries, amazing places. We have so many options for a pastor to be trained. It has nothing to do with our preaching. We have world-class preaching in America, not here at Flourishing Grace, but around America, there's world-class preaching. You can tune in online whenever you want. You can watch the greatest preachers in the world preach. And they're all here in America. It has nothing to do with our access to the Bible. In China and Iran, you can't get a Bible. Here you can pull out your phone and get any translation you want. YouVersion Bible app has so many of these Bible reading plans. There's thousands of them. It has nothing to do with information. It has nothing to do with resource. It has nothing to do with money. We are the wealthiest church on the planet. Not flourishing grace, okay? Um, you got to keep giving. But the, the American church is the wealthiest church on the planet with so much resource. So much resource. Why then are we struggling so? Why? Cosmic powers over present darkness, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Because we're on attack, we're under attack from a greater 
enemy. And who fights against this enemy? We do. We don't even realize it. We don't even, we don't even acknowledge it. We don't even want to think about it. And so we're losing. It's like being in a war zone and being like, yeah, I just want to, I want to pretend like I'm not getting shot at right now. I want to pretend like those tanks aren't rolling in right now. I want to pretend like bombs aren't being dropped. Let's just not think about it. Let's just not talk about it. Even right now, some of you are like, oh, this is getting weird, man. Cosmic powers, I'm not down for this. Let's just pretend like it doesn't exist and everything will be fine. Friends, this morning, this morning is a call to contend against a greater enemy and to contend for a greater king king who has already won the war. This morning is a call to contend against the greater enemy and to contend for a greater king. Now Paul goes on in that text from Ephesians and he goes on to say, okay, how do we fight against this enemy? And he goes on to list kind of famously what is known as um, the armor of God, right? The armor of God. This is not our text for today, so we're not going to spend a lot of time there. So he, he equates all of these spiritual things to uh, kind of figuratively, he's using this uh, metaphorical language, he equates them to physical armor, right? So you have, um, you have uh, righteousness and the gospel, um, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes, the, f- the feet of the gospel, the helmet of salvation, the, or the, uh, the, the shield of faith, the sword that is the word, right? He equates all of these things, the, the famously the armor of God, and these are all defensive things. But then there's a fifth thing that he lists, a fifth thing that is, that is not, it's not, a, it's not a defensive thing. It's also not like any of the other things. There's, there's, it's not attached to a metaphor. Anybody know what the fifth armor of God is? The offensive weapon of the follower of Jesus. Anybody know what it is? So the spirit, that's part of it. The sword is the word. Here's what Paul says. This comes for verse 18, the very next verse after he talks about the armor of God. This is all relating to the powers of darkness, the forces of evil. Here's what he says. Verse 18. Praying. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Prayer. Prayer is how you wage that war. Yes, we need righteousness to defend us. Yes, we need the gospel to to move us. Yes, we need faith to defend us. Yes, we need salvation to encourage us. Yes, we need the word to defend us. But we need prayer as the offensive attack in this war. Good preaching alone does not create spiritual awakening. It doesn't. World-class preaching is not enough. It is absolutely not enough. Preaching, when coupled with contending prayer, moves us to spiritual awakening. Yes, we need the Word of God. Absolutely. Read your Bible every day. But we need contending prayer coupled with the Word of God in order to, to create spiritual awakening in our lives, in our neighborhoods, in our churches, in our nation, in the world. The way we wage war against the enemy of the soul is through contending prayer. Contending prayer. 
Now, there are times when, 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 when kind of everyday normal prayer is, is, is right and good, right? Prayer is just simply talking to God, something we do every day with people in our lives. There's, with my wife, Desiree, there's, there's normal everyday conversation that's happening every single day in our house. It's just normal conversation. But there are times when things begin to blow up in our lives, like in the past week, month, year, okay? It's been a little crazy. And the conversation changes when soldiers are sitting around in the barracks just hanging out, playing Xbox, normal conversation. When you move those soldiers into combat and they're in the middle of a firefight, it's not the same language. It's not the same conversation anymore. They're no longer kicking back and having fun. This is real. This is hard. This is business. And there are times when God begins to stir in us and awaken us and call us to a different type of prayer. When we begin to realize that the gospel and the glory of Christ are on the line and we are moved to contending prayer, it's time for contending prayer. When the world takes to the streets to riot, the church takes to its knees in contending prayer. When the world begins to burn, the church takes to its knees in contending prayer. And so friends, this is clearly a time for contending prayer. I believe with all my heart that this is one of those times God is calling the church to contend in prayer. God is saying, let's go. It's time. We've got to rally. We've got to get on our knees. We've got we to move some things. And you're not going to do it. I am. So it's time to contend in prayer. Contend for our friends and family who don't know Jesus. Contend for our church. Contend for our city. Contend for our nation. Let's go. You can't sit around anymore just watching the news and being like, that's sad. You've got to do something about it. And you can't, because you're not big enough. But we worship a God who is. We worship a God who is sovereign over all things. And you've got to stop pretending like the enemy that you're facing is this, is this small thing called politics or the small thing called natural disasters. No, we are facing a greater enemy, and it's time for the church to rally and begin to contend in prayer. Here's the second reality. The first reality is it's time to go. We've got to contend in prayer. The second reality is this. I believe that for many of us, we've already given up. We're already waving the white flag. We're ready to pack up. We're ready to go home. It's like, oh, yeah, it's too late. Some of you are thinking right now, Josh, you're crazy. Like, now's not the time. Don't you know? It's 2020, Josh. Don't you know what's going on in my life? Haven't you seen what's happening? We're in the middle of a global pandemic. If that's not bad enough, there's earthquakes. If that's not bad enough, my kids are distance learning. I'm now trying to teach them. Oh, and I have a job where I'm working from home while trying to teach my kids. You're crazy, Josh. If that's not enough, the trees are falling all over my yard. Like, it's insane, Josh. You're crazy. There's too much going on. I'm too tired, I'm too stressed, I'm too anxious, I'm too busy, too emotionally spent to increase anything in my life. Let me ask you this, church. 
What more must your God do to get your attention? What's he got to do to awaken your soul to contending prayer? I mean, what's he got to do? What more must he do to stir you? What more does he have to do to get you to say, I see you, I acknowledge you, and I'm ready to return to my first love. I- I'm ready to get on my knees now. Like, what, what more has he got to do? If there was ever a time where you needed to continue to pray, it's now. There's no question. There's no doubt. It is, in, it is exactly in the moment where you're too stressed out, there's too anxious, too tired to do any more. That continuing prayer is the only thing left to do. What more must he do to get your attention? For you to say, okay, you have my attention now. And I'm ready to return to my first love. I believe that God is calling us to enter into a season of intense contending prayer. Intense contending prayer. But I also acknowledge, at the same time I acknowledge, that for many of us, we have exhausted ourselves by trying to do it all on our own, apart from him, for the past six months, maybe more for some of us. We've exhausted ourselves by trying to do it all on our own. So what do we do? What do we do? It's time for continuing prayer, but I'm too tired, I'm too weary, I'm too worn out, I'm too anxious, I'm too stressed. What do we do? I want to suggest this morning that we begin by contending for ourselves. We've got to begin by contending for ourselves. That might sound selfish, but I think it's the best thing we can do for our, our nation, our neighborhood, our world, our community, for our church right now. We can contend for ourselves. Some of you have heard me before talk about this. I'm from Chicago. Lived there for about 10 years, a little over 10 years before we moved here. And there was a place, uh, we lived in Wicker Park in downtown Chicago. And um, it, during the time of like the big donut craze, right? You got the, like the voodoo donuts and the glazed and confused and, and all these big donut shops, these gourmet donuts. In the time of the, the, the donut boom, okay, right down the street from my apartment was this place that opened up. It's called Stan's Donuts. Stan's Donuts. And if you've been around Flourishing Grace for a long time, you've heard me talk about Stan's Donuts because I can't stop talking about Stan's Donuts. It is the perfect donut. And the Stan's peanut butter pocket is the ultimate of perfect donuts. It's the perfect dough. And, the, and, the, and it's a square donut. It's covered in chocolate, but not that like crappy, fondantish, sugary donut chocolate. No, legit chocolate covers this donut and it is filled with the best peanut butter that you can possibly begin to imagine and occasionally if you get there at the right time you can get one that's warm and it it is just it's a life-changing event and when stands open right down the street from my apartment i went broke they're like six bucks a piece and i was buying them for everybody i was taking them to every meeting every party every gathering we'd go out with friends i'd show up with a box of donuts and be like hey here you go like everywhere i went and I've told you, some of you have gone, you've, you've been to Chicago and you've had Stan's Donuts because you've heard me preach and proclaim the excellencies of the Stan's Donut. It's that good. But friends, some of you are like, I don't care. This can't be that great. That's because you've never had it. 
You see, you can never truly contend for something until you know how good it is. Until you've tasted and seen the sweetness and the goodness and the delight of our God. Until you are resting in His grace. Until your relationship with Him is outpouring and flourishing. You'll never be ready to truly contend. You've got to know how good it is. And so I'd argue the best thing you can do right now for your neighborhood, the best thing you can do right now for your family, the best thing you can do right now for your own soul, the best thing you can do right now for our nation is to begin to contend for yourself. Begin to contend for yourself. How do we do this? Well, let's go. 1 Peter 5, verse 6. You're like, wait, we're just now getting to our text? That's right, baby, come on going to be one of those Sundays. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Just kidding. We're going to move through this quick. All right. Calm down. Relax. It's going to be okay. Here's what Peter says to a church that is suffering under intense persecution. They're weary. They're worn out, tired, they're frustrated. They're hurting far more than we are. Here's what Peter writes to them. Verse 6, chapter 5. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, He may exalt you. Cast all of your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. All right, let's stop there. Step one, how do we contend for ourselves? How do we, how do we begin the process of contending prayer for ourselves? If you're a note taker, here we go. Step one, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Stop trying to do it on your own. This sounds easy, but for the American, this is the hardest thing there is. It's the hardest thing there is. Remember who your God is, his mighty hand, sovereign, holy, blameless, all-powerful, almighty, all-knowing, fully in control of all things at all times. That God is the God that we gather to worship this morning. So why are you trying to do it on your own? You want to know why you're so weary? You want to know why you're so tired? You want to know why we're so worn out? Doing it all on our own. Well, the all-powerful God of all things is like, I'm right here whenever you're ready. So the first step of contending prayer for ourselves is this. Here's the words that we must pray. Father, I can't do this anymore, but you can. Anybody here worn out, like, like a little, little weary, a little tired? I played like lumberjack all day yesterday, man. I, my back is gone. It's been a long season. Say this with me. Father, I can't do this anymore, but you can. I don't have an enemy. I, I don't know if I got one more day in me. I, I just don't know. I don't know how much longer I can endure all of these things that just keep coming my way. I can't do this anymore, but you can this must be our first prayer. The first thing that we say. I can't do it anymore. But then you have to actually release your grasp. Step two. Step two. Give it all to him. Cast all, Peter says, cast all your anxieties 
on him because he cares for you. God actually wants your anxiety. Nobody else in the world wants your anxiety, I promise you that. But your Father in heaven wants your anxiety. Not some of it, friends, all of it. And this is hard for us. Because what we tend to do is say, here's my anxiety, except for these things. These are mine. I've got them. I know they're stressing me out. I know they're making me anxious. I know they're making me worried. But these are mine. I got them. I don't, I just don't, I'm afraid of what might happen if I actually turn them over. We must cast all of our anxiety on him. When was the last time you actually did that? When was the last time that you bowed your head, you took to your knees, and you said, I can't do this anymore, but you can. Now, here's everything that I'm feeling right now. All of it. It's way harder than it sounds. It's way harder than it sounds to go before God and say, I'm at the end of myself. This year has been more than my human flesh can stomach. My dad's gone and I miss him. Like, I mean, I miss him, man. It has been like one thing after another thing after another thing after another thing all year long. And I'm trying to like lead this church. I'm trying to lead these people. And we're, and we're meeting in the park and it's beautiful and it's wonderful. But at the same time, like I don't, I don't know what to do next. I'm trying to keep everybody safe. And people are like, well, we're not doing enough. And then people over here, it's like, why are you making us all wear masks? And now everybody's mad and angry. And well, I, I just don't know what to do anymore, man. We're trying to like figure out how do we get back in the building and then there's trees falling in my yard and so I'm putting all my time in over here and I feel like I don't have time for this and I don't have time for this and I feel like my, my family's getting the shaft. I feel like my friends are getting the shaft. I feel like the church is getting the shaft and I, everything's falling apart and I don't know if I got another day left in me. Can you cast all your anxieties on him? All of it. I mean, without holding any of it back, can you put it all out there? Say, this is what's really going on. You see, we've trained ourselves in our culture and our time that when people ask us, how you doing? The answer that everybody says is, fine. Fine. And people ask me how I'm doing. It's like, well, I can't complain because everybody else is suffering through the same thing. And that's true. It's true. It's not a time to complain. But your father loves you, and he wants all of your anxiety to be cast on him. He wants, to, he wants to lift the burden from you. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to lay it all on him? Friends, then and only then will we be ready to contend for ourselves. Then and only then. Only then, once you've actually cast it all off and you're no longer stressed and worried about all these things because you've given it all to him. Only then will you be ready for continuing prayer. Verse 8. Be sober-minded and watchful. Be sober-minded. Clear your mind. Open your eyes. And here's what you're going to see. Here's what you're going to see. Be sober-minded and watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith, 
knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. All right. Step three. Step one, humble yourself. Step two, cast all of your anxiety on him. Step three, be sober-minded and open your eyes. Let me tell you something. We are not sober-minded, friends. We're not sober-minded. Like, our minds are sloshed. They're not sober, okay? There is so much anxiety, so much worry, so much things filling our minds. The church in America has become self-absorbed, self-centered, so racked by anxiety and stress from trying to do it all on their own rather than relying on the Spirit of God to give our churches spiritual awakening. Your mind must be sober. We must lay it all on Him and clear our minds and open our eyes. And what do we see when we open our eyes? The greater enemy. Only then will you realize that your enemy is far greater than Democrats or Republicans. Only then will you realize that your enemy is far greater than COVID, far greater than the wind. You'll realize that there's something bigger at play here. It's like the matador and the bull. Satan knows that if he can cloud your mind and cause you to chase after these things that you think are the enemy, political discord, natural disasters, global pandemics, these things, racial tensions. If you can just cloud your mind and say, look at these enemies! The matador can easily win. The matador can distract the bull with the cape and get the bull to chase the wrong enemy the bull's got all the power. The bull's got all the strength. The bull has the ability to do all of the damage in the world. It's t- ten times the size of the matador. But all the matador has to do is fool the bull into chasing the wrong enemy. And it never ends well for the bull. We must see the enemy. Sober-minded. Open your eyes. And then step four, contend against Satan in your life. It's time to contend. Verse 9, we read it before. I'll read it again real quick, and we'll be done. Resist him. Stand firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering that are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you into his eternal glory, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. What is the cry? What is the cry of our self-contending prayer? What is the cry? If you are unsure where to start, if you're weary, you're worn out, you're tired, you're stressed out, you're anxious, you don't know where to start, start here. Memorize these four things. God, would you yourself restore me? God, would you yourself confirm me? God, would you yourself strengthen me? God, would you yourself establish me restore confirm strengthen establish what do we mean 
restore. Simple. Anybody here feel like their relationship with God has been strained over the past six, seven months? If your relationship with others has been strained over the past six, seven months, God, would you restore my relationship with you first and foremost? Would you restore the fruit of the Spirit in my life? Would you restore my joy? Would you restore my peace? Would you restore my self-control? Would you restore my gentleness? Would you restore my kindness? Would you restore the Spirit's work within me? Restore me. God, would you yourself restore me? God, would you yourself confirm me? What does that mean, confirm me? Anybody here feel a little unsure about what to do, how to act, what's coming next? God, would you give me a deep biblical conviction that what I know to be true is true, that what I know to be right is right? Would I be, would I be confirmed on a firm foundation? Would I be confident as I follow after you? Confirm my steps that I might walk in obedience before you. Would you give me sureness? Confirm me. God, would you yourself strengthen me? Anybody here feel weak? Man, I feel weak. I feel weak, tired. God, I don't know if I got another day left. I'm poured out. I need you to refill me. I need the spirit of Christ to strengthen me. I know I can't do this anymore, but I know you can. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things. I can't do anything on my own. Apart from him, I can do nothing. But with him, all things. God, would you yourself strengthen me? And finally, would you yourself establish me? What does that mean, establish me? At the end of all of this, and friends, it's coming to an end. It's coming to an end. There's a time when all of this will be over, no more mask. Okay, it's come, I promise. I, I promise. It's not coming fast, but it's coming. At the end of all of this, when I look back and what I say, that was a time, well, you did something there. As I contended in prayer, meaning, purpose, were birthed forth in my life, and you established my days. You established my steps. There's lasting things here, things that are going to echo in the next 30, 40 years of my life, things that maybe even will echo into eternity, came because of the contending prayer, because of what God did in this time. Would you establish me, restore me, confirm me, strengthen me, establish me? Friends, I believe that God is calling us to enter into a season of intense contending prayer, but I also acknowledge that for many of us, We've exhausted ourselves by trying to do it all on our own apart from him for the past six months or more. Therefore, we must begin by contending for ourselves. We must get on our knees and begin to contend for ourselves. I want to challenge you this week to cry out to God. Cry out to him. Humble yourself before him. Cast all of your anxieties upon him. Quiet your mind and open your eyes to the greater enemy. Then get on your knees and every day contend for your own heart. God, would you yourself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish me? Let's do that now. Let's bow our heads. Let's go to him.
Here's what I want to do this morning with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I just want to give you the opportunity to lift up that prayer. Right now to humble yourself before him. To declare, to admit before him. Father, I can't do this anymore. But you can. Would you pray that prayer right now? I don't have it in me. I don't have it in me. I don't have it in me. But you, you can. You can do it. All power and authority in heaven and earth is yours. You're sovereign over all things. I can't, but you can. Would you be courageous enough this morning to cast all of your anxieties on him? That's going to take some work. That's going to take some hard work. But just off the top of your head, what are the things that have been grinding on you? What are the things that have got you anxious, stressed, weary? Would you cast them on Him? Would you declare them to Him? Not hold back. Push it all out. acknowledge that all of those things are not coincidences, happenstances, but there is a greater enemy who is distracting us from himself. You stand before your God and say, I've been chasing the cape while Satan has been prowling around like a roaring lion tearing apart my life. Did you acknowledge that before God this morning? And then finally, let's just contend for a moment. Father, would you yourself restore me? What in your life has been broken? What fruits of the Spirit, what fruit of the Spirit has been torn apart? What fruit of the Spirit has been missing from your life? How has your relationship with Him been strained? Father, would you restore me? Pray that. Father, would you confirm me? Would you confirm me? Would you give me deep conviction, deep belief that I would know this is right, that is wrong. Hold me fast. Confirm me. In a world that is so uncertain, confirm me. In a heart that's so unsure and so scared about what's next, confirm me. God, would you yourself strengthen me? I don't have an enemy. I don't have another day of this left. I don't, I don't know if I can make it to the end of 2020. This is too much. It's too crazy. Strengthen me. Spirit, breathe strength into me. 
trying to teach my kid while working from home. Strengthen me. I'm trying to lead my organization. Strengthen me. I've lost my job and I'm barely getting by. Strengthen me. I've been giving and giving and giving and giving and giving and giving and everybody's taking and nobody else is giving. Strengthen me. Strengthen me. And then lastly, God, would you yourself establish me? Would you create within me a passion for contending prayer? That I might look back on these days and say, God established me in that time through contending prayer. Establish me. Establish me. By the power of your word, the power of your spirit, the power of the gospel, establish me. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.